Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to week five of Millennial Love, the love, relationships, dating and sex podcast from the Independence Lifestyle team. I'm Rachel Hosey. I'm Olivia Petter. And this week we are really excited to be joined by YouTuber, broadcaster and author Hannah Witten. Hello. <laughs> Hannah's debut book, Doing It, was published earlier this year and we thoroughly recommend you purchase a copy. Now the first topic we're going to talk about this week is super interesting and we could talk for hours on it I'm sure, but we're going to try and be concise. And that is the subject of porn, which is obviously super broad, but this week it was revealed that massive site Pornhub, which is sort of the industry leader, had been hacked and some users could have contracted viruses and there were a lot of people really worried about this and whether it was going to be exposed that they... Um, watch porn and so I think that's really interesting because I think it begs the question as to whether people are ashamed of watching porn or should they be ashamed I mean I don't think never having watched porn is the same as saying oh I've never watched a uh, like smoked a cigarette I don't think that has the mm. same sort of cachet what do you guys think well obviously I, I don't think it should be shameful um but also very aware that we live in this culture that even like even if watching porn is something that you enjoy, you can still like hold a lot of these like negative feelings about it. Maybe like guilt, shame, embarrassment. Um, and then there's, of course, socially acceptable porn to watch. And then there's a line. I don't know who drew that line, but you cross it, and then suddenly you're like, oh, I can't talk about what I enjoy watching. Well, it's like it comes down. I think you know people's sexual fantasies. I think everyone has really. You know, most people have, I think, sort of niche things that they're into, but it's what they think they can talk about. And I think it is the conversation is becoming more open. But I think, I don't know, the conversation's changing around porn, And I think. I think the word porn is also a very broad term. And I think when you actually look at what that encompasses, there are such varying degrees of what is acceptable and what really isn't. Um, there's a documentary called Hot Girls Wanted, which came out two years ago. And it's on oh, Netflix. is that Rashida Jones? Yes. Yeah. And it is a look at amateur porn. Um, and that is porn, which is mainly 18 to 21-year-old girls. They do it for maybe three to six months. And it's the idea that they are girl-next-door types and they are in realistic scenarios. And you see the way that these porn scenes are filmed and the kinds of things that they're doing and the majority of it is hugely degrading to women it's misogynistic it's sadism it's horrific and if you look at the stats of of the kind of things that porn depicts mm. it's something like 40 percent is depicting violence against women in That's some crazy. form which is crazy and you look at you know in the documentary you see kind of the spectrum of it so on the lighter end you've got scenes where a young girl is 
leaving for college and her family friend, male family friend is visiting and they're lying on the sofa together or something and you hear the director telling the guy to start putting his hand up this girl's shirt and you hear him being like, okay, don't even wait for her to give you the okay. Don't even wait for her to say uh. that, say yes, just just lead into it. And it's clearly provoking non-consexual sex. And the, yeah. and the idea that that is supposed to be sexy is hugely troubling. Mm. And that's to the light end. <laughs> there's porn and there's porn. That's the thing, like... There's this huge debate about, you know, all the supposed negative side effects it has. You know, people say it's, you know, it's encouraging addiction and then it's erectile dysfunction and it's, you know, expectations of women. And I think, you know, the type of porn that you were just mentioning, that obviously can be problematic. But I think porn needn't be so dangerous. And I'm, I'm sure it's not, it not all is. I mean, no. the the thing that makes it dangerous is that there's a lack of sex education to kind of go along with it. Like, we're never going to get rid of porn. Like, it's the internet. Like, you can't mm -hmm. regulate it and censor it. That is an impossible task. So what we can do is then educate people. Like, oh, you might see these kind of scenarios, such as the one that you just like described. Um, but this is what a healthy sexual relationship yeah. looks like and and this is the law and it's and so all important of that kind of that people stuff. are made aware of that at a young age because mm. also the average age that people start watching porn is 11. Is that so that's the same for men people. and women? That is the same for men and women. That's just the average age across. But there are studies that show that men start watching it earlier than women. I heard that that stat was, um, like that was the average age that's, um, someone will first see porn, but that doesn't necessarily, it didn't differentiate yeah. between regularity. somebody seeking it out for themselves right. or their friend going, hey, yeah. look at this exactly. on their phone. You're right. It could just be, it could just be a one-off incident, but regardless, it is their first, it's probably their first exposure to sex is, yeah. is porn on the internet. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I don't think teenagers generally, or, or even children, you know, are sat down with some sort of adult or someone who can explain to them, you know, really what porn is, that it's, you know, it's okay to use it so long as you, you know, seek out the right type and understand how it works. And I think, it's just when people are discovering for themselves, that's when you can probably fall into a you know a dark road Ra rabbit hole. Yeah, the, that's the porn it. rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. You'll fall down in the porn rabbit hole, and that's the thing as well. There was someone actually, um, a sex addiction therapist, um, wrote an article this week for the Cut, and she was talking about how um, you it used to be the case that people came in to seek therapy for sex addiction um, because they'd had some sort of trauma in their lives. But she said that more and more nowadays, they have people coming in because they are so addicted to porn. Um, she spoke about a guy coming in who said he'd looked at porn every day since he was four years old. Oh my God. And this is, I know, four. How could you even understand? And this is, and he said, this is someone who masturbates for six hours a day. It's interesting because p being addicted to um, porn is not like a clinically diagnosed condition. Um, but I actually, I spoke to some guys for a feature a while ago who were all part of this really interesting community on Reddit called Porn Free. And it's oh, different like to NoFap. No oh, okay. Yeah, this is the thing. NoFap is more known about... Like no masturbation. Is, yeah, these are guys yeah. who've completely given up or are trying to give up masturbation. Whereas Porn Free is guys who are trying to give up porn. And I think there's a really important difference between the two. Um, and like, 
the, it was really interesting delving into this community because they were so supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. And but these I, these weren't generally guys who you know would dip in and out occasionally. It had really become their lives, and it was affecting their lives and their relationships with women and their families. Um, and I spoke to one guy who said that he thought quitting porn was twice as hard as quitting heroin. That's how you know, much of a part of his life it was. Well, there have been studies that link the addiction to porn with addiction to tobacco and drugs. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same, uh, like, the chemical patterns that are happening in your brain with any addiction. It releases, it triggers the release of dopamine in the brain, which triggers, which goes into the reward centre. So it gives you that feeling of happiness. And in a non-natural form, something like porn or drugs or tobacco, that keeps happening, which is why you get addicted to it. Whereas mm-hmm. in a natural form like food or or natural sex, it's it doesn't keep happening. It's not repeated. So it's not necessarily addictive. There obviously are or can be benefits to watching porn though, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. De- definitely. I mean, it depends what you're watching, I think. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ties into a lot of the... Uh, some of the same benefits with masturbation. So like by watching porn, you can maybe discover new things about yourself um, or you could watch it with your partner and that could be like a thing that you do together. Um, But yeah, it's it's all about the context, I think, that makes it um, healthy or like a bit problematic. But I went to... um, uh, Barcelona a couple years ago to visit the set of Erica Lust, who is a uh, porn director. Um, although, no, what she would say, she is a adult erotic indie filmmaker. Sure. <laughs> um, which I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> and so we got to experience what it was like on set and like um, see how she makes the films and how she interacts with all the actors. And it was nothing like what you described earlier. Yeah. And, um, and, the healthy relationship and female pleasure is like at the center of everything she does. Um, but the thing about, I mean, there's loads of people like Erica doing this thing all over the world, feminist porn or sex there positive are, porn. There are feminist yeah. porn awards now as yeah. well, which I think but is so important. The thing is, is that most of these sites, because Erica has like a great team and like amazing equipment. Um, so these look like really nice films. Um, and, so all of her stuff is behind a paywall, and rightly right. so, because you know the like she has to make money and the and she has to pay her staff. Mm. Um, whereas actually the easily accessible free mainstream porn, that's often the really dodgy stuff. Yeah, that's what this documentary yeah. focuses on is the amateur porn where the girls are paid eight hundred dollars or something for scenes, and a lot of them. You know, I mentioned that incident earlier. At the more extreme side, you've got forced blowjobs where women are literally giving blowjobs until they vomit on the camera and that is supposed to be perceived as sexy and horrendous it's absolutely horrendous and it's extremely popular in the in that kind of spherical world of amateur porn Mm. it is very popular it's just mind-boggling to think that you know anyone would think that was okay and, you know, obviously you don't know what situations people are in that lead them to getting involved in that industry. But I guess it's like like you were saying with the paywall, and that's with so many things these days. People don't want to pay for stuff they can get for free online. Mm. And then, Oh, man, but the quality is so much better. Well, that's what I think. I think yeah. that's so important if, like, most people can see that. But I think a lot of people maybe don't realise that what they're watching is so 
you know, the free stuff, I'm not saying all the free stuff, but some of it can be problematic. And a lot of people, what I find troubling is a lot of people justify, like a lot of the women acting in these films and the men, they justify it as, you know, it's liberating because we've got sexual autonomy because we're being paid, it's empowering. But I just find that really hard to empathise with because how is being paid to you know, give someone a forced blowjob on camera liberating in any way. How is that? I'm sorry, that is misogyny. That is sadist yeah. behaviour. How is that empowering? And the thing is as well that um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of, um, you know, young guys and girls, but probably more guys, um, learn about what to do in sex before they've had sex by watching porn and it's just not realistic it's not realistic of like what normal sex is like which is like always a bit awkward and there are like weird noises of bodies squelching together and like you know stuff that's just it's just not smooth and you know also women have like wobbly bodies and also aren't shouldn't always expect to have like no hair on their pubic area and um I just think it's it's problematic in that sense. The way that the women look in these films, I think, is the real issue because there was a study by Cosmo a few years ago that looked at the way that we consume porn and they found that the top three attributes that men look for in a porn actress were young, large breasts and skinny. And they also said 75% of those men said that those would be the same characteristics that they would look for in a real-life partner. Yeah, mm. that's a bit... Ugh. But and the other thing that I think is quite damaging about porn is the performance anxiety that it can give a lot of young people. If they're, you know, then embarking on their first sexual experience and either all they personally have to go on is what they've seen on porn or they're just going off what their partner's telling them is how you do it. Either, like, a young girl might just be like, how am I supposed to behave? What am I supposed to do? Um, and a young boy might be scared, you know, that his you know his junk isn't like quite up to scratch or you know if he loses an erection that that's like an awful thing um and and the idea that women are supposed to be like multi-orgasmic from mm. penetration alone there's just like <laughs> so much stuff that can get in your head being like well the way that my body works is wrong because mm. it's not the same as these people in porn but actually what we have to remember is in a lot of the porn those those people are professionals you know they're like they're actors they have trained hard yeah. for this and um yeah and it's their job it's not your job is to like have that personal connection with whoever it is who's your sexual partner rather than put on a show for whoever else is watching when you think of it that way you're amazed that these women are able to orgasm so quickly it's like you're probably having sex with what three or four men a day for these films and orgasm instantly yes is it How real that though work? it's not real though is it i don't know it can't be like, for some women it is that's really? the thing like everyone is different and every you know body functions differently that isn't definitely the minority though that's the thing yeah we mm. know women can fake it i mean remember that scene when harry met sally Classic. yeah Classic. you know <laughs> we know we know it can happen um and then there's this other issue with porn though which is about contraception yeah, so in California, it's actually illegal to produce porn that doesn't include contraception. So it's basically illegal to produce porn that doesn't feature, um, that, that features unprotected sex. So Miami is a very popular place for porn stars to film and for filmmakers. 
porn filmmakers mm. um, because they can film it with unprotected sex, which is much more popular. It's been proven that that is what people are looking for. So that then raises a whole load of concerns because it's presenting the majority of porn that people see features unprotected sex. And it suggests that that is the way that things should be done. That's more pleasurable. And a study came out recently that said a third of American men don't. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com wear condoms well yeah this brings us very nicely onto our second topic of the day which is contraception and i think that that you know that that stat about men not wearing condoms is interesting but you feel like you want to know more about it is it they're not wearing condoms purely because they don't want to are they not wearing condoms because they presume every woman they ever sleep with is on the pill or some other form of contraception so a recent study came out and said that one of the reasons why men are so deterred from wearing condoms is because the average condom size is larger than the average penis size <laughs> so it's uncomfortable what i know I mean, you can I just... get different sizes yeah, yeah. Well, exactly but anyway that's the, that's the recent <laughs> research the thing is, there are so many different types of contraception available to women. Um, you know, you've got the coil, you've got the implant, you've got the pill. Like, But what what do men actually really have to play Condoms. with? Condoms. Yeah. And uh, sterilization. <laughs> yeah. Drastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, men do it, like, um, usually after they've had kids. Um, but there's a rigorous process of your doctor and, like, counsellors having to sit down and be like... Okay, have you considered the circumstance in which your partner and your children die? Like, they have to ask you those questions if you want to get a snip. Anyway, that is, like, a completely different issue. But um, I was having uh, a conversation about this recently, about, like, male contraception, because obviously there's been those trials for... like Male pill. Yeah, the pill, uh, a male injection, like, all of these um, kind of different things, but nothing's, like, quite taken off yet. Um, and somebody said to me, they were like, well, the thing is, is that we've been medicating women, uh, all, all this time. It's always been a woman's responsibility, but actually when we think about it, the most amount of, uh, babies that she can produce in one year is one. Like if she Mm. were to like have an unplanned pregnancy and see it through, that's one baby. If a man... (sighs) is to have unprotected sex and potentially spread his seed how like 
infinite babies. He could plant a lot infinite of infinite babies. We're we're medicating the wrong people. Yeah. You are and, so right. And I just it like it was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh yeah, it's because the world is sexist yeah. <laughs> and that's oh why we gosh. thought of it as a woman's responsibility whereas actually it's like men can get more men can create more babies technically yeah. that is such a valid point and it's like what anyway just makes me angry why do you think they did that from the start <laughs> because of the patriarchy <laughs> like literally smash the patriarchy <laughs> <laughs> but uh i've just been having like a complete battle with contraception recently because last year i came off the pill from being on it for seven years and then just didn't really have a great time with my like natural hormones and my natural cycle. Um, and then I'm now back on that same pill and I'm just not having a good time again. And so I'm going to get the coil. Um, and who knows, maybe that will be also terrible, but it's just like such a trial and error thing. And the amount of time and mental energy I've spent thinking about how to not get pregnant, I might as well just get bloody pregnant. It's very stressful. <laughs> I have a friend who's 24. She's been on the pill for 10 years. And you know that, you wow. know, that when the age was between 14 and 24. Think how much you, you your know, body come changes. into you, who you are. And she always says, she's like, I could be a completely different person. This is why I came pill. off it because I was like, who am I? <laughs> I know. And, you know, I have some friends who, you know, get the implant and the coil and they absolutely swear by them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I don't even feel it. I don't even know it's there. And I had another friend who had the most horrible time. She got, um, got the implant and um you know it got all infected she had real health scares there was you know a risk that she was going to become infertile thankfully it was all okay and I you know I think that does happen in the minority of cases yeah. but it's just a lot of women have to try so many different things before they find something that sticks and you know it's kind of just easier to use a condom it's it just depends how often yeah. you're having sex because it's different for every woman because it involves hormones usually um, you know, there are even coils that, I know you can get hormone-free ones, but there are a lot of coils you can get that do contain hormones as well. Mm. And there have been links with the pill to causing depression. There was a study in Denmark in 2016 um, that linked the pill between women of 15 to 34. They were also more likely, if they were taking the pill, they were also more likely to be taking antidepressants. Yeah. And, you know, there's also been loads of side effects of the pill. You know, there's that kind of long-standing rumor that taking the pill will make you gain weight so I have friends oh, that I are gained models. weight after coming off the pill so did you yeah, yeah. sometimes that so. happens as well <laughs> everyone who knows I have friends that are models that have been told by their agencies strictly you cannot go on the pill because we can't afford for you to gain weight wow that's they that might not though that's well yeah they might not but they're just like they you, just you don't can't take, take that, that yeah risk. you can't take the risk because your job is to be skinny yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy as well. There are so many things linked to it, not just like mood swings, weight gain. I actually, when I was a teenager, I went on a form of the pill called Dianet and it wasn't for contraception. I was not at that stage of my life yet. <laughs> it was for my acne. And yeah, it, Dianet's it, yeah. meant to be a good one for acne. It really cleared up my skin, but then I had to come off it because apparently, you know, if you go on it for too long, you're at risk of blood clots. So it sort yeah, of defeated the point. I was the like, oh, one. now the acne <laughs> will come back. Good. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I just... It's it's difficult to know whose responsibility it is. I feel like a lot of women feel like if I'm having casual sex with a man, he should have the condom. Why should I provide the condom? Whereas a lot of men, I think, will presume, oh, you're on the pill, right? Yeah, but that all just angers me because if you're having casual sex, then you should be using condoms anyway because none of these other contraceptive devices we've talked about can protect you from STIs. Yeah. 
Yeah, completely. And, and if you're having casual sex, which is totally fine, but you don't know the um, like sexual history of that person and you don't necessarily have time to find out. It kind of kills the mood. Yeah, so just <laughs> whack a condom on. It's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a thing, you know, recently, if you hark back to uh, episode one of Millennial Love where we discussed stealthing, which is, you know, men deliberately taking oh, off I've condoms during of sex. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds horrifying. Grim. Absolutely grim. But that was... Um, In legal terms, that um, is classified as rape. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is absolutely horrendous because, as we said, penetration without consent. But one of the things there when I was delving into that was men basically just saying, uh, well, there are various things to it which we won't go into, but please go back and listen to episode one. But one of the things was they just preferred the feel of, you know, sex without a condom. But, you know... I think there's such a valid point about it's not just about getting pregnant. It's about STIs. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I hear a lot of people like with penises without who say that they prefer the like the feel of sex without a condom. <laughs> you just say people with penises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and they say they prefer, you know, it without. And that's fine if you have like a preference of sensation, but that shouldn't actually cloud your judgment in terms of, um, you know, your own sexual health, your partner's sexual health, um, you know, the possibility of unplanned pregnancy. I just think that however up you're weighing your decisions, you're kind of doing it a bit wrong. Mm. Do you think though, because because obviously there are so many more options for a woman for contraception than a man, it is kind of widely thought to be the woman's responsibility. Do you think that disparity then becomes an issue when it comes to unplanned pregnancies? Because I know a lot of instances where, you know, friends of mine and friends of friends, the woman will get pregnant by mistake. And because she was the one who was kind of in control of the contraception, she might then think that she has the right to terminate the pregnancy without informing the man. Do you think that becomes problematic because of the, you know, discrepancy between contraception and, where, you know, if the introduction of a male pill will might rebalance that equilibrium and it becomes more of a kind of joint decision with the genders whereas at the moment there is this possibility that it is the female body the female choice when you know a baby is obviously a product of two human beings I kind of feel like it's better to treat the two separately so yeah. the responsibility of contraception uh like you know during sexual activity is kind of everyone it should be everyone's responsibility but then if a woman gets pregnant like it's skewed then because it's her body it's not his like I'm I'm like 100% down for like have a conversation if you know if that person is in your life and you want to have a conversation with them but um I think that the person whose body it is gets veto basically yeah I think they should get have the ultimate decision but I also think you know you should tell the man in question. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that when it comes down to all these things about conception, it must vary quite a lot depending on whether it's a casual encounter or whether it's someone you're in a relationship with, which mm. seamlessly <laughs> enough is actually going to bring us on to topic three of the podcast today. These segues are so good. It's almost like <laughs> I planned them, almost. <laughs> um, yeah, so... As regular podcast listeners may know, Olivia and I are very single. Very single sounds so tragic. It, but having fun, really enjoying being single, just going to put that out there. 
It's very fun. I'm very happy. Sorry, mum. Keep telling yourself that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Hannah, sitting here smugly in the corner, however, Ooh. has been in a relationship for what, 10 months? 10 months. But previously to that, was single for like five, six years. And how has your life changed? Tell us your ways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about ways of of that, but I don't I find it really interesting the like the transition of you get so used to like one way of life, shall we say. Um and it's not just about like the emotional side of things, but they're like time management and um the practical side of it as well, which you don't like when I was single it was I never had to check in with anybody or tell anyone like where I was going to be or be like, oh, I want to do this thing on this weekend. Are we busy? Are you doing something? Can we do that? Um, it's Yeah, it's kind of strange. There's nothing like it's not bad, um, but it's just like fun and interesting. Yeah, I think difference. one of my favorite things about being single is actually how it lets me be very selfish which I think is not necessarily a good thing Mm. but um I sometimes wonder if I've actually got a too used to being single but be too good at being single and too happy being single that actually when it comes to meeting someone that I actually might like I may never actually sort of make any time for them I think it also depends on your social circle like for me most of my close friends are also single mm. so it's very easy for us to spend time together happily without even thinking about oh you know I wish I had a relationship it's very easy to just be content as you are but I mean are, your, are most of your friends coupled off or are they also it's kind of like single half and half really yeah, that's probably mix. mostly still single Mm-hmm. I would say but it's funny it comes in waves I swear in friendship groups you're like oh everyone's breaking up oh wait everyone's coupling off yeah. and it's really scary I think the engagements will come in waves as well and the babies like once someone starts yes. it's gonna it's gonna all go and then that's all we're gonna see on Facebook engagements 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 weddings 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 babies 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 and then I'll just still be here can't wait <laughs> being single <laughs> talking about it on millennial yeah, yeah. <laughs> Episode 1020. <laughs> Still oh, no. single. Yeah. Does anyone want to date me? <laughs> um, what, did, you go. Oh, I was going to say that one of the things that I have definitely seen that's changed is that I very much adopted some of my partner's hobbies and interests. Really? But they're, they're things that, like, I have, I have, like, I don't know, what would you call it, like, nerdy or geeky tendencies. Sure. But I've never, like fully embraced it. I've always been very like mainstream nerd, like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, things that are Lord very of the acceptable. Rings. Yeah, acceptable yeah. nerd stuff. And um my partner is like really into video games. Okay. And I've always been like, oh I don't get it. Like I played The Sims when I was like 14, but that's it. But now he's like because he knows me so well and he knows like the video game world quite well, he can be like, you will really enjoy this game and now I'm like I'm addicted <laughs> it's like I'm like yes you're right I love this game um separately yeah. I hate that video games are such a gendered thing like it yeah. is so it is so I know this is totally off the topic of relationships but I used to love playing Halo and Call of Duty when I was Did really you young because oh. I was an only child oh. and my dad obviously <laughs> didn't know what to do with you know a nine-year-old girl so he <laughs> would just play video games with me and anyway, I used to love it and and you know I None of my friends, obviously, were, were into that stuff, female friends. But the boys would be like, oh, that's so cool. It's such a shame that that's still such a gendered thing. Like, yeah, it's I, a shame. You know, it's you never see little girls. Not that they should, you know, not that little girls should be going around shooting people on video games or anything. And But, but they should be able to do what they want. They, yeah. 
without thinking about what is a girl thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, back to relationships. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Digress. Digression. <laughs> Hannah, did you find that you had to, like, after being single for ages, like, push yourself and force yourself to, like, make time in your life for your boyfriend? Or did you just want to? Like, was it easy or am I going to have to work hard? To be honest, it was easy. Okay. Because I was just like, oh, I just want to spend time with him. That's what people say. They go, oh, you know, but when you find the right one, it'll be easy. But I'm like, will it? Or have I just got issues? <laughs> but I will say I was really lucky with, like, the kind of working schedule that I already had. So um, a few months before I met him, I kind of had started, because I freelance, I'd like started doing an actual Monday to Friday routine because I was kind of a bit all over the place with working evenings and weekends. And I was like, no, let's kind of narrow this down and have a bit more of a, a life. Um, and so I did like Monday to Friday working and I had like evenings and weekends to myself. And then I met him when I already had this schedule and he doesn't live in London. So we'd just see each other every weekend. And I was like, amazing. My weekends are available already because I did all my work in the week. So that was actually really handy. And I imagine that if I'd met him before I'd kind of like made that switch in my routine, it would have been a lot more difficult. I think it can always be like that. I think it really helps to to make a relationship work when you're very settled in your work life. I think if you're still quite on you know, you're quite junior in a role or, you know, you're working and tire, tireless hours. Your your work is almost your priority in your early 20s, I think. So it can be really difficult to get that balance right. You know, there's so much. There's work, friendships and relationships. And it's just, it can be so difficult to balance the three. Well, as we know from, I believe, Millennial Love episode two, <laughs> just doing all the throwback pictures today, um, according to a match study, the um, most attractive profession for a female in the eyes of men is a freelancer. So oh. there you go, Hannah. Wow. That's how <laughs> you got it. Because him. they think that we're like super carefree and all of that. <laughs> but I'm like, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. I'm not chill. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I've taken a lot away from this. I feel like I've learned. I've learned a lot. Me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. I'm definitely just going to, you know, not compromise on myself. Stay okay. tuned, people. It's only a matter of time until yeah. Rachel gets a date. <laughs> Rachel has dates. <laughs> Rachel gets, sorry, Rachel. Just no second girl. dates. No, I went on a second <laughs> date. I just cancelled my third date. Yeah. But, um, Fair enough. Those are my own issues. We'll delve into them another time. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been so much Thanks, fun. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please do rate subscribe leave nice comments if you want to email us with any feedback thoughts suggestions or ideas please do because we would love to hear from you the email address to contact is millennial.love at independent.co.uk tune in again next week bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.